Hey there, welcome to MedTech Africa, the podcast where we showcase digital health and health technology innovations from across Africa. I'm yours truly, Sam Oti. In today's episode, we have David Chen as our guest, who is the CEO and co-founder of Capsule, a data analytics firm that aims to make healthcare more affordable, accessible, and authentic by unlocking the potential of healthcare data. So if you're a policymaker, a healthcare provider, or someone that is working at a nonprofit or a pharmaceutical company, I guarantee you this episode is worth your time. Thanks for joining in and do enjoy the conversation. Hello, David. Welcome to MedTech Africa. How are you doing and where are you at the moment? Oh, thank you for having me, Samuel. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm based in Norskin House in Kigali. If you get a chance to come, you, you have mentioned off air that you plan to visit Rwanda and you definitely need to see this place. It's absolutely incredible, but based in Rwanda. I've heard great things about Noxen House. I'm really looking forward to being there one of these one of these fine days. I actually do travel to Kigali quite a bit. It's the favorite destination nowadays for international conferences and, and workshops, etc. So hopefully I, I get to meet you and your team. And, and what I hear is an amazing piece of infrastructure that has been put up to house at different startups. So it's great to have you on the show. And so let's start by learning a bit about yourself. I know you're one of the co-founders of this company known as Capsule, very interesting name. And I hope you're going to tell us how you came <laughs> about that name later on. But let's start by learning a bit about your background. Yeah, so my background is a little bit eclectic, I like to say. So I want to go back to the very beginning. I've always been a fan of, of science and healthcare. And academically, I studied genetics because I really liked, you know, being on the cutting edge of science. However, I quickly realized during my degree that the lab was not cut out for me. Uh, it's an environment where you can spend weeks never talking to another human being, working with pets and genome sequencing machines and looking at different DNA sequences and comparing them on some really archaic and, and kind of ugly looking programs. So I knew I wanted to be involved in healthcare and in science, but just not as a researcher. So I decided to go into consulting where I would consult with the pharmaceutical clients and that kind of scratched my itch for, for science while being more people-facing and doing business development and coming up with solutions to, to help clients solve their problems, which were primarily around driving innovation in, in clinical research. And then, very, very long story short, but I'm sure we can go into this, decided to combine some of my experiences that I had with engaging with multinationals with uh, my passion and interest in technology, and alongside my co-founder, which has been a friend since I was five years old, we decided to found a capsule to, uh, together and then managed to rope in one of our other friends, Femi, to, to join us. So a few years later, here we are. Amazing stuff from, from the lab to the tech hub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so let's let's get right into it in terms of your company capsule. So I really like your mission statement where you talk about addressing three A's: accessibility, 
affordability and authenticity uh, yeah. in relation to, to healthcare. So first of all, like I asked earlier on, please tell us, why did you choose the name Capsule? And, and what is Capsule really all about? Yeah, so Capsule has many layers of meanings. It's a triple entendre, yeah, if, if you're into sort of literature terms. So the first meaning, a capsule, it's, it's what medicine is found in. Uh, it's a little, a little pill, and that is something that will, you know, that is essential in healthcare. If you're, if you're taking medicines, it's usually in a capsule form. So that's sort of layer one definition. We then also thought a capsule is also could be in spaceflight, something that's very futuristic, something that transports you to, to somewhere else. So with us trying to digitize the African healthcare system, we thought, oh, capsule inco- incorporates that as well. It incorporates the, the innovation, driving things forward, and, and all of that. And then uh, the third meaning, it really is a, a nod to my childhood with, with Hannah. So uh, we were very, very big fans of Dragon Ball Z. I'm sure many of the listeners are, are familiar with that show. And one of the main companies in there is Capsule Corp. So we just thought, oh, wow. <laughs> it's everyone. <good. laughs> and us being yeah. that, you know, very big Dragon Ball Z fans, we just thought, okay, that's a nod to our childhood. So... And that's the reason behind the men. Wow. Wow. Very, very fascinating story. So, so what does Capsule do? So I know you're all about data and uh, yeah. redefining how data is collected, how it's analyzed, what kind of insights are generated. So tell us more. How do you go about doing that and why? Yeah. So as you correctly stated, Capsules, we see ourselves as a data analytics company. And what we do is try and make it as easy and simple as possible for institutions, whether you're a government, an NGO, a pharmaceutical company, or or a hospital or pharmacy, make evidence-based decisions. And what we say here is we unlock the power of healthcare data. And how we do that varies depending on the use case, but I guess our main product is we take data that is isolated or siloed in many different places. So typically you'd have electronic records for patients and and medical records, which are known as EMR software. And each of those operate at hospitals. And the challenge is that the data is siloed. So what we realize is we can plug into all of the different EMRs because they're essentially capturing the same information in different formats. They're capturing who the patient is, what disease they have, what treatment they've been prescribed, and what medicines they're taking, and how they're paying, to to really, really simplify it. And what we realize is we can take that same information from, say, 10 or 20 or 50 different software, and we can combine that together so that you can get a clear picture as to what's happening in a country or in a region. So yeah, the, the real problem that we're solving is the the unusability of the data that is being generated on the the continent at the moment. Hold up, hold up. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you have basically cracked the code for solving the interoperability challenge. Is that correct? (laughs) (laughs) It's a very big statement, but we certainly believe we're definitely on on the path. (laughs) We We are on the path to cracking that code because 
I guess the, the assumption is by many organizations, many people, when they think about Africa, is that there is no data. And what we found is that the data does actually exist. It's just not in a usable format. And it's, it's not easily interoperable, as, as you rightfully said. So we, we figured rather than be just another software in an already fragmented market, why don't we make the software be able to talk to each other so that people can do really interesting and insightful things with that data that is held across all of those different providers? No, that sounds absolutely amazing. And, and from an aggregate perspective, I can see tremendous potential in terms of putting all that data together and applying it to different use cases, perhaps if it's big enough, even applying it to machine learning, etc. But then who are you doing this for? Who are your primary customers? And what is their particular stake in, 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 in the value that you are offering? Yeah, so we built this, well, and I guess this goes back to my experience back in the consulting phase of my career. We built this primarily for the large institutions that have incentive to invest on the continent, but they don't have enough data to do that. So think large pharmaceutical companies and research organizations, and more recently, large NGOs as well that want to be very more data-driven in how they're driving impact. And what we realized is that there is a huge demand for increased participation of the African continent in the global health system. So just to give you an idea, only 2% of clinical trial genetic data comes from people of African descent. While at the same time, the African continent has the highest amount of genetic diversity in the world. Two populations in, in Africa could be more genetically diverse than, say, a European and a Chinese person. Uh, and that is, is really underutilized when it comes to clinical trials, drug development, understanding of, of diseases uh, and their potential cures. So we knew that there's a lot of interest in improving or increasing the amount of access to the African market. But again, the data isn't there for it. So that's why we decided to do things on the aggregate level, because as you sort of alluded to earlier, the potential is huge when you can gather data from, from many different places and then build a complete picture. So the primary objective is to drive two things. And first one is to understand the demand for disease and treatment and medicines so that the demand can be closed, the, the supply demand gap for medicines can be closed on the continent. And secondly, identify patient groups and populations with particular diseases, which would be very interesting for clinical trials, where pharmaceutical companies can actually create the groundbreaking medicines that are needed for the con continent. But it's still not clear to me. So how are you making money? Yeah, so we make money primarily through selling the, the aggregate data and the insights that we have. So for instance, if you are a pharmaceutical company and you know that you are, have a new treatment for heart disease, for instance, something which disproportionately affects our African communities, today the problem is they wouldn't be able to run a trial in, in Africa because they don't have the information to know A, where the patients are, or B, where the hospitals are that treat them. And for us being able to pull data from all of the different software, we can then make recommendations as to what sites can be used and also where the patients are. Totally understood. But 
Doesn't that raise ethical issues in terms of the ownership of the data, patient confidentiality? Yes, I get it that you're primarily dealing with aggregate data, but aren't there any ethical or legal issues and, and how are you overcoming these? Yeah, so this is something that we considered very, very strongly from the very beginning. So we've all had a background in the European markets where you had to deal with GDPR and we we know some of the challenges that have happened in, in the past on, on the continent when it comes to clinical trials. So we actually took a lot of effort to get this right. So we consulted with both the regulators and the data protection office locally. We've also con- consulted with some experts in the African Union Convention on Cybersecurity and Data Protection. And what we essentially found is that we have several layers of protection. So one, we don't handle, as Capsule, we don't get access to individual patient information. We only get access to the aggregates. And then those aggregates themselves are, when combined, are then processed in a way where there's additional layers of controls. So not only does Capsule not have access to any individual patient information, none of our, our clients can reverse engineer it. And there have been two layers of anonymization that have happened before it goes to the end client. So from the patient perspective side, their information is completely secure. No one knows, you know, who, who that person is, but we can still get the information that is useful by identifying here is a hotspot for the disease. Here is where you can potentially treat these patients. And here is where there is demand for the medicines. And that information is useful for our clients, the, the large institutions. Got it. Got it. So Which countries do you currently collect data from? Yep, right now it's just in Rwanda. So Rwanda has positioned itself to be a proof-of-concept country. So it's been great for us to to work here because we have active participation from the health ministry, the local regulators, and they have a sandbox environment that they've built here for health tech specifically as well so that we can work in very close collaboration with, with the relevant stakeholders to build the product. So Rwanda is where we're starting off, but we have ambitions and plans and are already underway in expansion to other African markets, starting in East Africa. So looking at Kenya and Uganda at the moment. Of course, uh, we're, we're looking at West Africa too, particularly Nigeria and Ghana, but those are in the earlier sort of scoping stages. But we have ambitions to be truly pan-African. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Rwanda in terms of how the government approaches innovation. One of my most recent guests on the podcast is originally from Singapore. And he, he talked about how Singapore, the government of Singapore has created exactly what you mentioned, this sandbox environment for tech startups. And, and it's, it's really leading to some transformational things. So really good to see what's happening there in, in Kigali. But let's switch gears a bit and go into a, a bit more detail of what kinds of achievements that you've had so far. What are the numbers looking like in terms of your reach, in terms of the traction that you have gained? Yeah. So with our approach of aggregating data from different partners, I guess our main Success of that for for Rwanda through our partners, we've managed to have over ninety percent of the market in terms of visibility, which has been an incredible achievement. And I, I suppose some of the more recent achievements, which I'm more personally 
proud of is some of the insights that we've gotten from our data and how that's changed thinking on healthcare. So to give you a real life example, we were with the Ministry of Health earlier this week and discussed some of our findings where it was looking at what things could really impact the patient experience and, and the patient level, because there are many, many challenges, which are not only true for Rwanda, which are true for the continent as a whole. So there is a need for more nurses, more doctors, more lab equipment, or all of the infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. And all of those things are very expensive and also very difficult to change in a, in a short space of time. But with our data, one of the things that we identified was that we identified the top 10 areas of concerns for, for patients. And with that, one of them kind of stuck out because they didn't kind of fit in with the trend, which was customer service. And we thought, oh, that's an interesting complaint. I had an interesting observation. We didn't, we didn't think that would be in the top concerns. In diving in more, well, what we then learned is it was a significant concern. So we just decided to do a, a project in which we helped a hospital both have training, implementing new procedures, et cetera, to address the, the concern around customer service. And the results were really, really insightful. So just by making a few adjustments in their personnel, by giving them training on how to deal with patients, slightly changing the patient journey, so who they interact with when they come into the hospital, how, how long they're waiting, who explains things to them, et cetera, et cetera, it had a massive impact on the overall patient satisfaction. And it resulted in an 81% increase in patient satisfaction by just having a simple behavior change, really, and, and process change. And what that resulted in is not only the 81% increase, it also had a revenue bump as well, because the number of patients started returning to, to, to that hospital. And for us, it was just like, that is what data is all about. You know, you have these assumptions about what you need to do to fix your problems. But when you dive into the data, it can reveal something that you didn't realize before that could actually be a low hanging fruit. And through addressing that, you can actually have a commercial and a tangible impact for the patient who's at the center of everything with, with a, a very simple process or procedure change. So that's one that I'm personally very, very proud of as well. Yeah. More generally, you know, we, we've, we've already commercialized some data. We've, we've done a partnerships with many different software providers. And those are more of the sort of business side wins. But the one that's closest to me is, is really having the, those impact on the patients based on data-driven decisions. That's amazing to hear because you're absolutely right. D data is only useful if we can actually use it in a timely manner and, 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 and make changes as a result. And I think that is sort of a, a great segue into my next question in terms of what kind of challenges you have faced. Because I would imagine that, you know, there are issues with the timeliness of, of data, whether it's the health information system, from the health information systems or in the quality in, in terms of data gaps, et cetera. So how are you dealing with these kinds of, of challenges and any other bottlenecks that you, you have faced? Yeah, so there, I could talk about challenges for days on end. <laughs> oh, I guess you could also see them as opportunities, depending on, on your perspective. <laughs> Well, how you wake up on the day. Yeah. But I would say the 
But the one thing that is kind of core to all of the other challenges is that people need to find data useful for them in their day-to-day for there to be buy-in to realize the value of the data. So for instance, one thing that Rwanda has been incredibly good at is digitization as a whole. Over 90% of the facilities or hospitals, clinics, pharmacies we've spoken to have digitized. But what you don't want to happen is for digitization to just become a box ticking exercise. So because when that happens, the data integrity isn't there. You know, people put in the very minimal data or it could be incorrect data. And and there is the old adage of garbage in, garbage out. If you if you on putting it, if you aren't really meticulous about how you're putting in the data, all of the analytics in the world can't fix that. <laughs> You, you need good data to work with. So developing a way that incentivizes people to manage and control their data in a, in a good way has been a very big challenge. And I guess for us, what we realize is we need to turn that data into something useful, something real, something tangible, that people can see the impact in the day-to-day work. Then their buy-in is for the data. And then you can actually start doing the interesting things. So that's what we've been doing more recently because we, we did have that, that challenge of we, we put a lot of effort in to build the relationships with the different software providers to get access to the data. And then once we do, the data is, is a complete mess. <laughs> and it, you, you, know, you can spend months, and we literally spent months trying to reverse engineer what was happening with the data because it, it just didn't make any sense. And that particular software provider, a large open source one, didn't have any documentation and wasn't wasn't very easy to work with. So it, I, I guess that that's the biggest one is making data something meaningful for people so that it's easier for us to interact with, with the data once we get access to it. I, I, I totally hear you. And, and again, that's another segue to, to my next question in terms of what, what would be your ask of, of policymakers and of people in government? I guess in the context of, of Rwanda, you have a very supportive environment. But as you begin to scale out of, out of Rwanda into, uh, and across the rest of the continent, what ask would you have of, of policymakers and, and stakeholders in, in the data space? Yeah, so you're you're completely right when you say that Rwanda has been at the forefront of this. Their, their policymakers, their regulators, the government as a whole has been incredible. The level of interaction and engagement that we've had has has, has been been incredible in, in a word. Now, what one thing I've also noticed is that Africa as a whole has woken up to the potential power of data. So there is organizations like Smart Africa, which is a consortium of heads of state of over 30 African countries, all trying to harmonize and and create a data exchange in the healthcare space, primarily as one of their their main verticals. And so there has been a lot of work to go there. But I think if I was to have an ask for the government, it's really to engage in, in conversation and be very very communicative with the startup ecosystem because the truth is the interests of a startup and the interests of a government are diametrically opposed. A startup is all about taking risk, all about experimentation, iteration, making mistakes and learning very, very quickly. But you don't want your government to be doing that, especially when it comes to your health. You look to your government to protect you and to to provide you with stability. 
So the government has to look out for the interests of, of their people. And that is very, very opposed to a startup's way of working. And I think the only way to have fruitful engagement is to have a dialogue where you can find little pockets where innovation can be accepted and can be useful and accessible and where the potential risks are manageable. Because again, in the healthcare space, you know, risk means death in this worst case. And you really, really need to need that. So I think in terms of my ask, it would just be to for the government and stakeholders to engage with the startup community and then fi find out collectively if there's pockets where we can um, support and help and innovate. Very, very well said. And of course, the government needs to do what they need to do. But it's also great that we have philanthropies, private foundations that are also, you know, trying to support and enable the environment for, for digital health startups such as yours. And one that comes to mind is, is the Health Tech Hub Africa. Uh, we talked about the Noxen House earlier on where you are housed. So can you tell us a bit more about your involvement with the Health Tech Hub Africa and what your experience has been so far? Yeah, they've been absolutely game-changing. So one, one thing that they have started off saying, and you hear this a lot, especially in the startup world, of creating an ecosystem, they've truly created an ecosystem here. So in the Noxen House, we often have people from government or from large institutions coming to Norskin to meet with startups and engage with them. It could be ask me anything type of sessions, or it could be them talking about their specific problems and startups presenting their, their different solutions to those problems. But they've been excellent at connecting the different industry players together so that the probability of the startups finding and being able to scale a working solution increases and they're, they're really 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 and it's a, just a really nice environment where people are helpful friendly you walk around you know everyone's name is saying hi to people <laughs> for the first 20 minutes of the day so <laughs> once that real community feel where everyone is driven to drive impact to to do something that changes the continent and then you they use their network and leverage to have those decision makers come to our environment and engage with us so it, it's been absolutely incredible. Plus, the Health Tech Hub specifically, they connected us with incredible mentors who, who helped us pivot the business when we needed to, to help us think about things from a more tactical and as well as strategic level. And yeah, it, it's, it's really an, an ecosystem that they've built here and one that we've been beneficiaries of. Things you love to hear, things you love to hear. And for those who perhaps are not familiar with the health, the health tech hub, it's basically a pan-African health tech accelerator, and it has a physical co-working space in Kigali. And David and his team at Capsule are housed in that physical co-working space. Things you love to see. And, and I hope to come and visit you guys for one of these days when I'm in Kigali. Okay. Please show you around when, you, when you're in town, for sure. I would like that very much. Well, on that note, and as we close, what next for Capsule? What are your plans for scale? Where do you see yourselves in the next couple of years? Yeah, so um, there's both the philosophical and the practical answers for that, for that question. 
So to start off on the philosophical side, one thing that one of our mentors had told us is that you need to be married to the problem, indifferent to the solution. And for, for that, what we mean is married to our mission of driving forward the three A's. So what I want to do and what I can see us doing and what I foresee us doing is continuing to do that in whichever form we feel like we have the competency to do that. So Capsule will evolve. We will have additional products that will, will be developed. We'll have some products which we may end up closing down. But what will be clear is that we're driving forward on that mission of, of increasing accessibility, affordability, and authenticity of, of care for, for patients across the continent. More practically, we want to complete and, and be well underway in our expansion across East Africa. Ideally, we want to be doing some things in West Africa and possibly South Africa as well, where we, we have some presence with one of our co-founders being based there, and really want to start having tangible revenue investments into the African healthcare system that could be traced directly back to capsule data. That, will, that is when one of my personal motivators and one of my personal drivers, when we can see hundreds of millions or billions of dollars coming into the African healthcare system because now knowledge institutions finally have the data that they need to make intelligent investment decisions on the continent, that, that's what will bring me a lot of joy. So that's my plan for the next few years. Well, I really wish you guys all the best. And I like what you said about being married to the problem, but indifferent <laughs> to, to the solution. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, if you must fail, fail fast, pivot, and move on to the next thing. Well, David, it's been great having you on the show. And I, I don't think I do this enough on the podcast. Let's end by you giving a shout out to your co-founders and to your partners. Yeah, so uh, one of my co-founders, he hates being publicly named and addressed. So I want to say, you know who you are, co-founder. And then also... Hanan, who's, who's been my closest friend since childhood, been, been with me since we were five years old. Fun fact, I only have two memories before I knew him. So it's, it's great to be in the trenches trying to change the world with one of your closest friends. And in terms of partners, Norskin and their health tech hub, they've been absolutely incredible, both for, as mentors, as, as infrastructure players as ecosystem creators, and also to the government of Rwanda that's been incredible in terms of engaging with us and creating an environment where technology is not only embraced, it's, it's encouraged. And, and that's been really, really key for us in our growth so far. So there's my shout outs. Thanks for the opportunity to do that, Samuel. And I've had so much fun speaking. Pleasure is mine. Thank you for being on the show, David. Take care. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. MedTech Africa is produced and hosted by Sam Oti and co-edited by yours truly, Veronica Sander Ochiambo. The goal of MedTech Africa is to provide a platform for showcasing digital health and health tech innovations across the African continent. Please reach out to us if you have any thoughts on this episode or recommendations of African health innovators that you'd like us to host on the show. You can find our contact details in the episode show notes. Finally, be sure to subscribe to MedTech Africa on your preferred podcast platform. And if you have a moment, please leave us a great review because it really helps other people to find the show. Thanks again for listening and we hope you join us in our next episode.